dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. So just for emphasis, verse 15, he, he refers to himself as the high and lofty. See that capital O on one? Well, that belongs to God alone, Jehovah. His name is Jehovah, uh, God, the self-sufficient, self-existent one. There's not another. He is all alone. <laughs> he is God alone. He said in Isaiah 42, I think it is, uh, if there were not another, would I not know it? So God is making it known that he is God alone. So, uh, again, for thus saith the hind lofty one, and he said, uh, my name is holy, and I dwell in the high and holy place. Now, you can lose your place there. Go to the 113th Psalm. We'll make reference to the Isaiah 57, but we're going to... Uh, do our lesson here in Psalm 113. Now, I'm not going to read through the psalm uh, and then go back through it for the sake of time as well as I don't think it's necessary. I just want to show you how that at the beginning, the opening line or the opening verse of this uh, short psalm is, Praise ye the Lord. Second sentence, Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. All right. Now look at the last words of the psalm. The very last words. Four last words of the psalm. Praise ye the Lord. So the psalm begins, praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And it ends with, praise ye the Lord. Now how many of you have already figured out this could be saying that God ought to be praised? Come on, let's get a little life in us here this morning. Uh, you, you can just tell right off the bat. You don't have to be a Bible scholar and know four languages to understand that God is to be praised according to His Word. Now, there are some that think they have a handle on what it means to praise the Lord. They think they have to have a certain kind of choruses on the screen. and They think that standing and doing this and that is all about praising the Lord. Well, to praise the Lord uh, is not a new discovery of the 20th century uh, that happened when praise, they call praise choruses come along. Uh, if you've been singing out of a hymn book and been faithful to uh, sing the songs of the faith, there are a lot of those songs that are written for the purpose of giving praise to the God who has revealed himself and giving praise to the Lord. So uh, true, sincere Christians have been doing that through the centuries. Uh, neither is it necessarily praising the Lord to say, praise the Lord. Because I found out that, you know, we're the kind of creatures that if we're not careful, we can say things like, say to somebody, how you doing? And then never stop to listen because we didn't really care. You just got to say something to them, you know. And so you keep going. We're able to say all those kind of things and never really mean it and think about it. But don't you think if we're going to use the name of the Lord, it ought not to be in vain? So that it ought to be something more than us just habitually saying, well, praise the Lord. Well, I don't know what else to say. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying praise the Lord, but we ought to mean it. It ought to be sincere. I try to check myself uh, not to get in the habit of saying praise the Lord just because I don't know what else to say. If we're going to use the name of the Lord, come on, 
We ought not to use it in a vain, meaningless manner. We ought to mean it. Praise ye the Lord, which simply means to give honor, to, uh, to acknowledge the uh, right or the honorable characteristics and qualities of another. Uh, if you, uh, let, let me give a little praise here. We had the ordination on, uh, on uh, what day was that? It was Friday night. Yeah, we had the ordination Friday night. And Brother Andrew and Brother Franz uh, stood up here and uh, about, uh, I don't know, 15 pastors or a dozen uh, asked them questions about the Bible and various things. And, and uh, you know, to determine their, uh, th- that they are rooted and grounded in the Word of God, like we sang the Course a little bit ago. And so determine that. And I, I just want to praise these men. You shouldn't praise them. Okay, well, I won't use the word praise. But what I'm going to do is to give praise. Because I commend them, uh, because they had done their homework, I, I, I uh, give them uh, uh, acknowledgement and commendation uh, because they did a really good job. They answered well. Their attitude was right. Uh, they, never, uh, they, they never tried to back off from any question. And I, I'm telling you, if you'd got to be here on Friday, uh, Friday afternoon when we had the interrogation, then you would have been proud of these guys, uh, Brother Franz and Brother Andrew. And I'm serious about that. Well, you know what I did, just did saying that? I praised them. Now, no one is worthy of praise like the Lord is worthy of praise. Uh, because sometimes we're called attention to somebody that has good qualities and characteristics because they also have some bad characteristics. And so, hallelujah, they have some good characteristics too. All right? And so I, I'm just saying with the Lord, He only has honorable characteristics. There is nothing dishonorable that can be said or imagined about the Lord. See? And so to give praise to the Lord means in this unique sense, in this unique way, that he is absolutely and only worthy of praise. And so the psalmist is saying, praise ye the Lord. Now, if somebody walked in here perhaps this morning that wasn't that familiar with the Bible and they would hear us saying, the Lord ought to be praised, praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord, they might wonder why we are saying that. I mean, it goes on to say, I haven't even mentioned that, but in verse number 2 and 3, that we're to praise the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. That the, listen to me, friends. He can say with authority, praise ye the Lord, praise the name of the Lord from this time and for, for and what does it say? I'm about to mess it up here. Uh, from this time forth and forevermore. Hold on just a second. You know, we don't know what tomorrow holds, do we? I said, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Isn't it amazing how quick we can have reversals in our life and circumstances can change in our life? I mean, we may be going along in a time of good physical strength and maybe some material prosperity. Our church life is good. We're in the Word. We're growing in the Lord. And we're having good relationship in our marriage and with our friends and our church family. And everything is just going fine. Isn't it amazing how quick there can be a reversal in our life? A turn of events uh, that has to do with either our health or a financial reversal or somebody goes awry, or somebody grows divisive. I mean, come on. Uh, while God never changes, the, the reason that is so incredible to us is because we do change. And we have our ups and downs. And, and some of you might be sitting here today, or some of us, uh, here today in this assembly, and we have no idea what might take place between now and next Sunday. 
that might be unfavorable or painful or sorrowful or grievous or very disturbing to us. But you know what? What are you saying here is whatever happens between us and now, uh, with us between now and next Sunday will not affect the fact that the Lord ought to be praised. He will be no less worthy of our praise next Sunday than He is Sunday is this Sunday, no matter what happens in between. You understand what I'm saying? That we're to praise the Lord. He is so worthy of our praise. He said it ought to be done from this time forth and forevermore. Look at verse 3. And from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. See? So every day from this time and forth, and during the day, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name ought to be praised. I think this is a good grounds to say we probably ought to start the day giving consideration to the Lord, to His Word, to prayer. We ought to start the day with praising the Lord. That would have to do with the rising of the sun. And then during the day, surely we'll find occasion to give thanks and praise to the Lord for some reason during the day. So the Lord ought to be praised during the day. And even if things go bad, sometimes you can say, well, praise the Lord. They are not worse. You know, it could be worse. And then at the end of the day, don't you think it would be a good thing, even if it's just when we pillow our head and before we drift off into sleep, to give thanks to God for the protection, the watch care of another day, and to praise His name? That's what he is saying. He's saying that the Lord is worthy of this acknowledgement of His honorable characteristics and qualities and it ought to be given to him uh, praise and thanksgiving and honor. All of that is included in the term that we ought to give praise to God every single day from this time forth and forevermore, rising the sun to the going down of the saint. So again, somebody might ask, okay, I understand that he says that. But what is it about the Lord that deserves such praise? That'd be a legitimate question, let's say, from somebody who doesn't know so much. Uh, about, you know, haven't, they haven't made it their business to know the Bible and the revelation that God has made of Himself from Genesis to the Revelation. Why is it that God is so worthy? All right, now look in verse number 4. This is, a, verse 4 through 6 to me is just an incredible portion of Scripture where He says, The Lord is high. Remember 57, 15 of Isaiah? And the Lord, uh, the psalmist says, The Lord is high. Above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is likened to the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? All right, now let's stop there for just a second, then we'll move into it further in just a moment. But when we talk about giving praise to the Lord, as is mentioned here in the psalm, the obvious reason given by the psalm is because God is. High. Um, he is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Uh, verse 5. There's no one like the Lord. He is alone in who He is. And He is the high and lofty one. Now, let me tell you why. I think we ought to make a lot of this, is because I've seen it in my lifetime. I was born in the year 1945, 
started out in the gospel ministry in 1967. My wife and I did in 1967. And I can tell you now, in our culture, in our life, even in oftentimes too often, in church life, uh, there is not the high and lofty view of God that there used to be. There's just not. Now, it's not like I'm saying that it's always been as it should be, uh, even in the, in the middle of the 20th century. I, I'm not saying that back then everybody was holy and everybody was praising God and everybody was doing it right. I, I'm just saying there is overwhelming evidence that there has been a steady and alarming decline in people's view and opinion of God And it ought to be the business of every pulpit, every church, every preacher, and every genuine believer not to go along with the slide and the decline, but do our part to elevate uh, the name of God and who He is in a way that is commensurate or, or that is appropriate to the revelation that God has made of Himself. And the view of God in our society has continued to decline and our job ought to be to lift it up. I mean, you, you look in our culture and our society. You, you look at things, and I, I'm going to mention some things here. I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody. I'm not trying to be picky or ugly. But you can see that things are, have come down. I started uh, flying commercially for the first time in 1984. So that was, what, 35 years ago. Uh, no, let's see. That would be 84. However long ago. It's 35 years ago, isn't it? Come on, Jason. Do the math on that right quick. Yeah, 35 years ago. And so 35 years ago, I can tell that the way people appear publicly in air travel today and the way they appeared 35 years ago, oh, my soul. I mean, people are getting on airplanes today like people like my family didn't even dress lounging around the house when I was raised. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't appear this going over. I don't know if you're numb on Sunday morning or what. But I'm just saying, it's an alarming sight out here and disgusting. And I just, I don't mind telling you, I still dress up far more uh, than what is average out there because I'm a preacher. I don't want to look like a sloppy bum. And I, I, I just can't, I can't believe I'm sitting beside a man that's carrying a briefcase, has a computer, and he's doing some kind of business on it while he's on the airplane. And his old hairy legs are here because he's got on shorts and and he's got on these flip-flops like you'd wear getting out of the shower or something like that. And a T-shirt. And, and this is how he is appearing in public. And I'm thinking, yeah. And so I'm just trying to make the point. Some of you think, this guy's gone off his rocker. No, I'm making the point that there's an incredible dressing down. Look at some of the old pictures of when people would go to the baseball games in the Bronx. Men would have suits and ties and... And hats. I'm not saying everybody has to do that to be moral and to be good. I'm just saying there's been a dumbing, uh, I'm sorry, a dressing down. Hasn't there? Hasn't there? Till most churches are now advertising, come as you are. It doesn't matter. Who cares? And that's what I've said to some people. I can be a fairly sarcastic guy. Sure, just whatever. We're just meeting with God. So whatever, just do like you do when you go to Walmart. Now, that's the saying back home. I don't even know if there's a Walmart within 100 miles of here. I have no idea. If not, I would enjoy living here. I don't even like the place. But nonetheless, I'm just saying, people, is there such a casual approach? Well, if God reveals himself that he should be considered with a casual attitude and a casual approach, count me in. 
But that's not how God's revealed Himself. In fact, He has revealed Himself as the Holy One who dwelleth on high, and He calls it the high and lofty place. Now, if you go down the road a few miles, and you're going to meet even with a president you don't agree with, you're probably not going to see how sloppy you can dress because you wouldn't even get in the White House. Is everybody with me here? But we're talking about God, who I think I can get agreement here, is in a position significantly higher than whoever's sitting in the Oval Office. Come on, somebody help me here. Yes. And so he said, I'm the high and holy one. So our thoughts of God ought to ever be elevated, and we as believers and we as preachers of the Word of God, we cannot let the culture drag us down with it and think. If we keep presenting God as the high and lofty one, high above His creation, His name is holy, which means not just the absence of impurity or immorality or anything like that, the absence of all of that, that's true, but the term literally means also that God is other than. Brother Sam, you didn't finish the sentence. Yes, I did. He's other than what? He's other than whom? Well, name something. Or name someone. He's higher than that. He is other than that. See, God is not, in spite of what some people will say, God is not like us, only bigger. The man upstairs. Oh, that grates me. Does that bother anybody else in this room besides me? Here's somebody make such a reference to God, like the big man or the man upstairs or something. Wait a minute. He has a name. His name is God. His name is Elohim. His name is Jehovah. In fact, he reveals his characteristics in several, with several names throughout the Word of Bible, of the Bible. But he mainly reveals himself as Jehovah or the capital letter Lord, letters, all letters, or the capital all letters God. He reveals himself as the self-sufficient, self-existent one other than everyone and everything else. See, that's God. That's how he's revealed himself. And he's high and he's lofty. And our thoughts of him should go ever higher, not be taken down by an unbelieving, Bible-rejecting, Christ-rejecting, culture, society, world. It should not affect our thinking of God. We should be in the situation, ladies and gentlemen, where in the, from the influence of the Bible and the revelation that he's made of himself, our thoughts of God should be ever going upward. Now, I got saved when I was six. Now, I'll be 74 in August, so from 6 to 74, that means I've been saved, uh, what, 68 years? 68 years? And so, at 74, I, I used to make the statement, if I live to be 100 and have a sound mind, and my wife shared with me later, uh, that part's not looking too good right now because she can see a difference in things changing. But if I do have a sound mind, there's no reason at 100 years of age why I shouldn't still be elevating my thoughts of God. Come on, friend. He is the high and lofty one. Now, how high is he? Somebody said, well, he's high above the nations. 
Do the nations have any significance in the world? Well, sure, read the Bible. And you can see many prophecies and much about the nations of the world and leaders of the world. even talks to us about the attitude that we should have towards those that are in places of leadership and how we ought to pray for them. Uh, of, Of course, nations are significant. Government is significant. Yes, God ordained it. Of course it is. But God's high above the nations. Listen to Isaiah 40. Listen to this. He said that the nations, are you listening now? He's so high above his creation that the nations to God are a drop in the bucket. Well, the nations of the world, some of the world leaders, some of the uh, superpower leaders are meeting, and, you know, all the pomp and circumstance and everything that goes with that. Everybody's in awe of it, and people, the media goes nuts over it and everything. And I, I understand, I'm not bashing all of that, but I'm just saying, if you want to elevate your thoughts from what you see in this realm of politics and world government and such as that, you want to elevate your thoughts? Well, think on God, because... To our God, He has revealed that the nations are to Him as a, as a drop in a bucket. Now, I grew up on a farm, and I know about buckets. They had milk. I used to milk cows. Had milk buckets. I, I know what buckets are. We had uh, water buckets. Had to carry water and water our garden. Didn't even have a well good enough to run the water out there. So pump it out of the cistern and mom would make us. She didn't know anything about child labor laws and made us carry all these buckets out there in the hot sun and pour water on the stuff growing in the garden. I do that. Five gallon buckets. A little kid should have, should have made me some kind of a man, but mostly I was skin and bones and my arm was about as big around as that, you know, but still. We had, to, we had to carry these buckets, carried slop buckets, put all your waste food in, and then take the slop buckets to the pig. So I know what, and probably you do too, even without being on the farm, you probably know what one drop of water in a five-gallon bucket looks like. You can barely tell it's in here. If, if you didn't know you just dropped it in there, you might not even know it. And, and God's, listen, God says, the nations to him are as a drop in the bucket. Well, he goes on to say, they are as nothing. Now look, God is so high above his creation, we can't even comprehend it. We cannot comprehend it. Somebody says, well, I don't see how, well, oh, well, let me, let, let's help each other here, shall we? Uh, that our abilities are so limited. And listen, please. Our abilities are so limited so finite, and God is so unlimited, so infinite, that He and His person and wisdom and ways, He's the incomprehensible God. It doesn't mean He can't be known. It doesn't mean He's made Himself distant. We'll show that. It doesn't mean He's made Himself distant from His creation. Oh, no, He has not. But all of his creation needs to know that he is high and lofty above the heavens. Gaze into the heavens. Take the latest uh, technology and look into the heavens. What do you see? Infinite. Space without limit. Boggling the minds of intelligent, otherwise intelligent people. What do you say otherwise, intelligent people? Well, if they don't acknowledge the creator of all of this, 
They may be intelligent in some ways, but the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So I'm just going to stick with what the Bible says. See? And so they look and think how infinite it is. God said, well, however far you can see, I'm above that. Well, I, I mean, I don't understand that, Brother Sam. Am I making it sound like I do? I don't understand all that. How, how am I, as a finite being, how am I going to stand here and say, I have discovered uh, understanding of the infinite. Don't you see a little conflict there? This finite person has a full grasp of the infinite? I don't think so. And God said, I'm the high and lofty one. I'm high above my creation. Uh, excuse me. How high is he above his creation? Look in verse 6. He is so high above, Psalm 113, verse 6. He is so high above his creation that he humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and the earth. That's how high God is above his creation. <laughs> now, I don't know if that blesses anybody else, but it blesses me over and over and over again. That I know the God by his grace. I know the God who is so high above his creation, look at me a second, that he must humble himself even to behold what he has made. Now, I'm not as much of a world traveler as some, but I've been quite a few places, and we've been all over this country over the years doing preaching and so forth. And, and uh, you know, one of my favorite parts of the country would be over here in Massachusetts and western Connecticut, Massachusetts, and the Berkshire Mountains. And the reason is because I've seen them twice at the foliage season when they change, uh, when the leaves change. And, I mean, I've stood there and looked at that and look out from a lookout tower where you're looking out over these mountains and the colors out there just exploding in brightness and the mist goes away and the sun comes out. And it's like they explode to another level. I mean, I don't know how anybody can stand there without just utter marvel and look at that. Just amazing. And you know what comes to my mind when I look at something like that? The Creator who makes me in awe and makes me look up to Him must humble Himself to even behold what I am so amazed at. Yeah. Same with the sunset. Out in the plains, there are a lot of people that don't like the plains of Oklahoma. It's flat out there and all of that. I love the plains. I'm a man of the plains. But I'm telling you, there are times this time of year, there are some amazing sunsets. Sometimes when clouds and stuff are developing in storms that you read about that come across and develop and get big and produce tornadoes and floods and all the things we're dealing with back in our part of the country right now. But I'm just telling you, some of the sunsets will stop you in your tracks. You don't have to go to Hawaii or some remote, exotic place to find a beautiful sunset. Come to Oklahoma and you'll see them. I mean, outstanding beauty. I remember one time my son was about... Uh, four or five years old, and we were driving down the Interstate 35, and we were headed to Oklahoma City, came to this place. The sun was setting, and it was so amazing. I was having trouble. You know, it's a wonder I didn't get arrested for um, suspicion of drunk driving because I was having trouble staying on the road because I was looking off to the west while I was going south watching the sunset. And so I'm going down there, and my son said, Hey, Dad, what? Can we just stop and thank God for letting us see this? 
And what do you think I said? No, son, we have to keep going. Of course, I said, we will. Pulled off the side of the road, and we just thank God that he let us see that. You know, it's amazing. Because when we look at, read Psalm 19 sometimes, when we behold the creation, we're supposed to be mindful of the Creator. And the beholding of the creation should lift our thoughts and our minds to God. But what is amazing to us, He, according to the book, humbles Himself to even behold it. Now, friend, that's high. That's lofty. I don't know if uh, Brother Dave Hardy, has he spoken here before? Priest here? And Brother Dave Hardy is a good friend. And uh, so back years ago at Heartland uh, Baptist Bible College, we were having our, our first or second uh, preaching conference there in relation to graduation in 99 or 2000 right in there. And so Dave Hardy preached on a, I, I'm almost sure it was a Tuesday morning, and he was the last preacher of the morning. And he preached out of Isaiah 57, and he preached about the holiness of God. Best sermon I've heard to this day. On the holiness of God. So he is talking about the fact that he revealed himself as the high and lofty one, the high and lofty one, and that he dwells in the high and holy place. And so in the process of his preaching, if you know Brother Hardy, I'll try to emulate here just a little bit, because he comes across like he might be mad at you, but he's really not. And he's uh, preaching along about the high and lofty nature of God, and he stops and he said, Some of you are looking at me like, Hardy, how high is he? And he hesitated, and he said, well, how high can you think? Then he hesitated, gave people time to think, and then he said, well, he's higher than that. And that's exactly right. However high we can think, he is higher than that. That's why I won't bother with names. That's why some of the theologians of the past have said, well, yes, we believe that God is, but that he is uh, is, higher. Uh, He is separated from His creation. He is so above it that He is not even mindful of it and that He would pay no... And pretty much we determine our own destiny. That's a lie. What are you, some kind of expert? No, but I can read the Bible. Doesn't make me an expert, but I can read. You read with me, will you? Look down in verse number 7. Now, remember verse 6? Who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth. Watch this. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, which means the trash heap, the rubbish, the dung. He raiseth up the poor. These are uh, words, uh, some of which are borrowed from Hannah when she gave praise to God when Samuel uh, was born and dedicated to the Lord. In verse number 7, He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, lifteth the needy out of the dunghill. Why? Why? This high and lofty God is mindful of the poor? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He's mindful of the poor. He's mindful of the needy. He's mindful of those that culture, society, the world moves on and gives no attention to them. He's mindful of those that have physical ailments and afflictions that make their lives somewhat debilitating. He is mindful of all of them. Read your Bible. It's not just here. It's elsewhere, all through the book. God is a personal God. See, 
And that's what he's saying. Here's what is so amazing and so wonderful, is that this God, who is high and lofty above his creation, is not absent from involvement in his creation, ladies and gentlemen, that he is mindful of the poor and the needy. Verse 8, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. Read through the Bible. Not many mighty. Come on, you know the words of Paul. Not many mighty. Not many wise, according to this world. No, not many of them are chosen. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wisdom of the mighty, or those that deem themselves mighty. And so, how many times? I mean, where'd this guy David that penned these words, this king, where'd he come from? Watching sheep. That's where he came from. See what I'm saying? This God who is high and lofty, he takes those that are way lowly, and he is mindful of them, and he knows them, and and he maketh the barren woman to keep house, and a joyful mother uh, to be a joyful mother of children. And he ends again with praise ye the Lord. I'm just saying that the point of the whole psalm is that God is high and lofty above His creation, and yet He is mindful. Let's not talk about all the world since they're not all listening, but He's mindful of you, where you are. Who you are. It doesn't matter if it's a little fellow like this. It doesn't matter if it's a grandfather somewhere. It doesn't matter who it is, what age, what, uh, how they rank in terms of middle class or lower middle class or upper class and all of that kind of nonsense. That's not how God looks at anything. God who is high above His creation knows you. I wish we had time for you. If you give me another 30 minutes, I'd go to the 139th Psalm and have it where David spoke for all of us and said, here's the amazing thing about him, that when he thinks about it, it's too much for him, that God is so personal that he knows me. That's what David said. He used the personal pronoun, me, I, about 30-some times in about 13 verses. And it's not a man hung up on himself. As a matter of fact, he is amazed that this high and lofty one knows him. And he doesn't only know him. He knows his down-sitting. Oh, sure, like God knows I'm sitting here today. Are you saying he doesn't? I say he does. The fact I say it doesn't mean anything, but the fact His Word says it means everything. Like He knows when I stand up to sing a song or not sing a song. Yeah, He knows it. Well, I don't, see, I don't understand how God could, I mean, how many billion people are there in the world anyway? I don't understand how God could know what everybody's doing at all times. Well, there you go again, thinking too low of God. Thinking like He's like us, only a little better, bigger, mightier, stronger, purer. No, He's infinitely above us. I said He is infinitely above us. Somebody asked me this week, uh, my wife and I, all the time we've been in the ministry, the last 52 years, we've tried to learn people's names and call them by name as best we can. It's get to be more of a challenge as we go along. And uh, yet we, we've worked at that. Somebody says, how do you remember names so easy? Well, I don't remember names easy. But the names I remember, I work at remembering. And she and I work together and try to remember people's names as best we can. Students back at Heartland, all the members of Southwest Baptist Church or the churches we've pastored, and all of that, it's important. Paul said, greet the brethren by name. I think it's important we know each other. And so, learn all these names. Well, yeah, but you can't, I mean, who could know seven billion? Nobody that I know except God, but we're acting like because that's a big mountain that we can't climb to us, like that's a problem with God. 
Well, you think he's sitting in, hand, in, in his throne, wringing his hands, saying, what am I going to do if there are 10 billion people in the world someday? I can't keep up with all these people. God's not stressed like that. That's not who he is. That's not who he's revealed himself to be. See, our, our thoughts of God. He said, I, do, I, I dwell in the high and holy place, and with him also, watch this, that is of a humble spirit and a contrite heart who recognizes His holiness, which is the same as recognizing our sinfulness. And God said, when somebody recognizes with contrition that they are a sinner before me, and they humble themselves before him, before me, God said, I not only dwell in the high and lofty place, I dwell with that person too. <laughs> Some people get too independent, prideful, full of themselves for God to dwell with them. But those that are broken, contrite about their sin before a righteous and holy God, and let him deal with it by faith in Jesus Christ, God said, I'll dwell with that person as well as the high and lofty place. No wonder we sing amazing grace. I said, no wonder we sing amazing grace. The high and lofty one Willing to dwell with us? Yes. What can you say? Somebody help me. What can you say? Praise ye the Lord. That's what you can say. Thank you, Lord, for these moments together. Bless our time to come in Jesus' name.